I always need to start my sessions with a word of prayer. It just calms me down and, and invites the Spirit to be with us. So if you let me do that. Lord, we're so grateful again to be here. I thank you for everybody that's represented, the families, the children, the grandchildren, Lord. And we know that you are for family. You are for marriage. You are for us. And, Father, we just love you with our whole hearts. And, Lord, even, even though that we are flawed and, and make mistakes, Lord, you are full of grace and mercy and wisdom. And uh, you're full of purpose for us, too. So I just pray that you'd help us grab hold of that purpose. Help us understand the calling in our lives that you've placed on every one of us. And help us have the courage to not only say yes, Lord, but to step out in action to fulfill that. So please join us now this hour. Please fill this place with your spirit as we talk about how to avoid a particular snare and, and live victoriously for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, when our children were maturing and getting older and being an electrical engineer by degree, um, I knew that technology was going to be part of their future. I just saw that happening, and I thought, well, we need to incorporate technology in a smart, safe way for our kids so that they're ready for it. So we did that. Um, we invested in, a, in some different um, uh, computers and, and media devices for music and all kinds of things. And we did have some, you know, some games, some of them for educational, like typing. Anything that we had, had was geared towards an educational purpose with technology. Um, but as, as the camel gets his nose into the tent, right, um, the first non-educational game came in. And, well, yeah, it was, you know, it's okay. And so he gets in, and then pretty soon there's another one and another one, and then you know how that goes. And so, okay, now we've got to manage the amount of time because obviously I saw the affinity for this stuff happening in the hearts of my kids and taking them away from more important things. And, and uh, so we set time limits, and you had to have your chores done, your schoolwork done, and all this sort of thing. Well... So we tried to manage that as best as we could, but um, I knew that there was, um, there was something happening. And, um, and first, I'm going to share with you our family. This is an outdated family picture. We've since added two more son-in-laws and seven more grandchildren. So, but I, I share you this picture for a reason. Um, you know how, like I said, doesn't this, don't we all look just perfect and shiny and everything's, you know, good in the world, right? <laughs> that's what pictures can do. And that's oftentimes, especially speakers, they can present things and it's not really a, a true representation of things. I want you to know that our family has bumps and bruises and scars too, just like you guys do too. And there's only one person on this, in this picture that's telling the truth and that's this little guy right here. You know why? Because it's like minus 20, and we are all faking it. <laughs> Inside, we all look just like him. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, <laughs> this is how pictures can lie. And so, we get the family photo, everybody put on a smile, but it doesn't show you that, that she's really angry with me right now. <laughs> Not true. But there were times where she was, and maybe I was with her, and there was a, maybe a sibling fight or spat going on. And, and so I just want you to know that, that, that we're, we're just like you guys. And so, but the reason I'm sharing this picture is because, um, well, let me just take you through here. This is our oldest daughter, Brittany. This was the pharmacist with the one that asked the question, you know, and, you know, or told me, Dad, stop. This is her husband, Chris, and their little girl, Ruby, and the sense of added 
Uh, two more, Claire and a, a brand new little guy, Jack, who's seven weeks, is that right? Say eight weeks today, so that's fun. Um, uh, this is Reese and Marcy. They have two little boys. Wow, they're wild. We called him Wild Man Reese. His kids are wild men too, so you get what you deserve, right? <laughs> Uh, and then there's Emily. She's our musician. She is now married, but she was the one that created a lot of the music. We turned our books into audiobooks, and she wrote hundreds of pieces of music for it. And so uh, she's a composer. She's got a master's in, in um, choral conducting, great piano player, musician of all sorts. And so she's married to Alec, which we don't have here. If you were in Andrea's class, you got to see it, the whole gamut. And then there was, uh, oh, I missed Ian in here. Ian is the second oldest son. And this is his wife, Tess, and they have two little guys and two little girls now. Ian is the guy that if you took all of the trouble he gave us, it it was more than all the rest of these together. Um, He was our challenge. He was the one that went sideways on us. And, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Ian, Ian was our challenge, um, and uh, you know, but you just don't give up on him. And and for years, you know, he was off on his own and doing stupid things. And and uh, he finally came to a point. We came to himself, just like the prodigal son, right? He came to himself, and he he said, "Dad, I realized that um, that the that the direction of my life was going to take me a place I didn't want to go." And I had to not only choose something different, but put things in my life to make me end up in a different place. And he said, I just want to thank you for not giving up on me, Dad. And it was our love for him, unrelentless, unconditional, not, not condoning love that, that brought him back. And I told him, I said, Ian, you're going to get out there in that world. and You're going to think the world loves you, but it hates you. And when, you're at, when you come to your own, you're going to realize that the greatest love you have other than God himself is going to come from this family right here. And so we'll be here for you. And he ended up getting getting squared away, and he ended up becoming a worship leader for Campus Crusade for Christ and worshiping 400 people a week to in worship. And, and then he found this amazing, lovely gal, Christian gal, and uh, he, I think that was a great motivator for him. <laughs> and, so, and I work side-by-side side with him every day now in our other company. I'm, I'm actually a, a general manager for a chemical injection automation company right now. And I uh, just kind of... It, it came out of our injection molding, um, and I couldn't find the people I needed to hire, so I started hiring my kids back from, from different places in the state, and they came. And so now I work with my three kids and my two son-in-laws every day, uh, which is just a blessing. Um, and, and evidently, they don't mind working for me, which is a miracle. <laughs> uh, so, and then, uh, let's see, then Emily, and then Abby's our youngest daughter. She's now married, and uh, her husband works, she works with me, and her husband works with me. And then Keenan is our youngest guy. Um, he's an electrical engineer. He's a, basically a mini-me. I, I've told, I've apologized to him for many times. I'm sorry, you're going to know exactly what you look like when you get six to be 60. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, but I want to talk about this guy here, Reese. Um, when he was about 13 years old and we, uh, maybe 12, a little bit younger than that, we started, um, I started to realize that the video games that had crept in uh, started to take over his life. He had just a real affinity for these things. And I, I started to see sort of a, uh, a diminishing of who he was as a person. Um, he used to be such a creative, energetic young guy, and, and he, he quit spending time in the shop, and he started retreating from friends and from family, and, and his goal, his whole goal quickly became to start to play that next video game. And so... Um, 
I, I kind of knew this was happening. I mean, it was one of those things where you just know it, but you just didn't want to deal with it because it was going to be hard and painful. And it's like, ah. And so, um, and I tried harder to manage it. And, uh, and, uh, and we went to church one Sunday morning and then we're sitting in church and, and I'm sitting there with my family and, and all dressed up and looking good. And, and, and the preacher starts preaching a, a, on on idolatry in the nation of Israel back in the day and when they turned their hearts from God and started worshiping idols. And as soon as he said that, the whisper came, Chuck, you have an idol in your home. And I thought, an idol? What? I don't, we, don't, we don't worship idols in our house. And, and he said, you have a, an idol in your home and your son is worshiping it. And wow, that was so convicting. I mean, I didn't hear another word that the preacher preaches. I sat there and wrestled with the Spirit of God over this idol that had come into my house. I wasn't worshiping it. Andrea wasn't worshiping it. Five of our six kids wasn't worshiping it, but I had one child who had let this become number one in his life. And I was the spiritual mentor for this child. And so, as I wrestled with this, I, I always... I always really try to be very transparent with God because, I mean, what else can you do, right? <laughs> um, but uh, being, being very honest with myself, and I, I, I chose to try to never ignore God, ever. Because you know, ignoring God is choosing to just disobey God. And that, that, I come to that conclusion. That's the logic part of me. And so as I wrestled with this, I'm like, oh, I do, no, I don't want this. I don't want this right now. And, and uh, he just would not let me be at peace. And so we came home from church, and I sat down with Andrea, and and uh, I said, "Honey, I I got to talk to you because I really feel like the Lord has spoken to me about Reese and and his video games. I I think it's become an idol in his life, and honestly, I I think that we're going to have to get rid of video games in the home." And she and her sweet little face looked at me because <laughs> I got to go to work eight hours a day. Said, "Oh, Chuck." You make everything so hard. <laughs> and I, I knew that because, you know, I could make this decision and then just leave her to deal with it, right? And so, um, and she said, I said, well, just pray about it and, and, and see what the Lord is telling you to. And so, anyway, I finished up Sunday. I went to work the next day and something kind of remarkable happened while I was at work. And Andrea said she looked up from the breakfast table and all of a sudden there was Reese sitting at the table and all the rest of the kids were gone, which never happens. You never have a one-on-one unless it's like designated appointed time in a certain place, right? And she said, there it was. It's just just Reese and me. And all of a sudden I I started talking to him and, and said, Reese, your father and I have talked about you and the use of video games. And and uh, we've decided that we need to take video games out of your life. And she said, as I was speaking these words, she thought, when did I decide this? <laughs> I didn't decide this. And she said, I couldn't stop it. It just came out. And so um, I said, well, way to listen to the Lord. <laughs> and so she, she said it. Yeah. So I came home, and she told me what had happened. I'm like, praise God, uh, I think. <laughs> and so I said, well, we need to talk to him. And so uh, we called Reese in, and Andrew and I sat down with him, and we just said, look, Reese, you know, we've tried to manage this, but it's just getting more and more of a, of a factor in your life. It's just starting to destroy you. And, and you know, you used to, you used to work in a wood shop. You used, you, know, you used to get out and go outside and be part of the, be with the friends and, your homework is, is suffering and all these sorts of things. And, and I said, 
we just, we just we got to deal with this. And as we sat there, our stoic little guy, who his goal was to be a, a general in the, in the army, and he never cried about anything unless his arm was cut off or something, tears started to come down his cheek. And I thought, wow. You talk about, you know, hitting the mark, you know, that spiritual radar and tuning into your kids. This was it. And I said, Reese, those tears on your face are an indication of the power this has in your life. And we need to help you through this. And so um, I'm going to pause in that part of the story and kind of lead you into what escapism is and how it's impacting our culture and our families today. And then we'll come back and revisit that and I'll share with you um, what happened there with Reese. Um, According to Webster's Dictionary, I'm just going to read this to you. Escapism, I think this is the best definition I've ever found. Escapism is the habitual diversion of the mind to purely imaginative activity or entertainment as an escape from reality or routine. Um, Each one of those words are really uh, important to this. I'm going to read it one more time. The habitual, so you can't stop it, diversion of the mind to purely imaginative activity or entertainment as an escape from reality or routine. Um, It's probably important at this point to make a distinction between escaping and escapism. Escapism is something that becomes a habit. It becomes an addiction. It becomes a stronghold. Whereas escaping is actually, it can be a very healthy thing from time to time. We need to escape, right? Um, Sometimes, parents, we need to escape from our kids, right? (laughs) Maybe you're doing that right now for a few hours. I don't know. Um, And sometimes kids need to escape from us in a healthy way. And the purpose of escaping is so that you can um, reconnect with the Lord, revitalize your, your motivations and your energy so you can plug back in and get after the stuff that you're supposed to do. I mean, even Jesus escaped, right? Sometimes he escaped from the masses. There were sometimes even escaped from his disciples, right? He just needed to be alone with the Father. But he did it as a time of replenishment and restoral. Never to, to avoid what he was supposed to and obligated to do, but get ready for what he was supposed to do. And so that's a, an important distinction there. There are many different forms of, of escapism. Um, and I'm just going to show a slide here of a, of a few. Um, again, this is not an exhaustive list. It's, and here's what happens oftentimes. <laughs> um, so, uh, obviously, today I'm going to focus on video games, but this is not limited to video games. Escapism can take any one of these forms. Um, social media. Oh, my goodness. Social media. <sighs> um, I'm going to Oops. I'm going to read to you a few statistics. And these statistics, believe it or not, are a few years old. And just last night I was looking up new statistics and it, it's, it just, it's eye-watering what's happening with social media. Um, 164 million oh, video games. Let me talk about that. 164 million adults play often. This was three years ago. So you can imagine what's happened since then. Three-fourths of all households have at least one full-up official gamer, all right, where they've got the setup, they get in the time, you know, four, five, six hours a day on it. Um, in other countries, it, it's even worse. Um, again, three years ago, 8.4 million um, teens were fully addicted. And we're talking exhibiting all, all types of the addictive symptoms, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. In Iran, it was 22.8%. In South Korea, the government has declared it a national health crisis. 
but it is, it is crippling so many people and their capacity to be productive citizens. Um, social media, there are 210 million people addicted to social media three years ago. Can you imagine what's happening today? Um, I, last night they said 46%, 46% of all 18 to 22-year-olds are fully addicted to social media. And you know what addiction means, right? It means it has control of you. You can't do without it. And when you're without it, it's all you can think about. Do you realize that's almost half of our 18 to 20-year-olds, 18 to 22-year-olds, that are fully addicted to social media? They talked about people when they go to bed at night. Do you know that there's a percentage of people that go to bed with their phones in their hands because they can't live without it? If they're more than just an arm's reach from it, they feel disconnected. That's a powerful negative force in the lives of human beings, especially Christians. Something that is vying for that much attention in our lives is obviously taken the form of Christ, has taken the place of Christ. All right? And so it's a dangerous, dangerous path to go on. And it is, it, it, and I'll, I'll tell you why it is. It's because it absolutely appeals to our flesh. It feeds the flesh. It feeds what, what you want to see and hear and partake of. And now, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll talk about it now. Artificial intelligence programs that are running. Anybody seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix? You should watch The Social Dilemma. It's not Christian-based at all. It was produced by Netflix. I believe it's, yeah, by Netflix. And they went in and they interviewed all of the um, software programmers, the CEOs, the architects of these social media platforms and the software that's running behind them. And they do these one-on-one testimonies with these guys. They're like like previous general managers and that sort of thing. And they will tell you straight up that they have opened Pandora's box and they have no idea how to stop it. The reason is because they have they have figured out perfectly how to monetize social media. And they've got these artificial intelligence uh, programs running in the background. There's basically reaching into your lives, figuring out what you want, what the flesh wants. And it is designed to keep feeding that to you. Their whole goal is to keep you on the screen longer and longer and longer and longer because their advertisements then sell. When they've monet- and they figure out a way to monetize that, the money then drives it and it drives the money. It's this vicious cycle. It's a powerful, powerful influence in our culture today. Um, it's, it's kind of a frightening um, documentary on it, but um, it was interesting. They had, I think he was the previous general manager of Pinterest, and they asked him, where is this taking us as a society? And with as serious as a heart attack, he looked at the camera and he said, civil war. Because what happens in artificial intelligence is it feeds you what you want to hear and see and not doesn't give you any chance of looking at the other side of the aisle. And so there's a chasm that starts to happen and these people groups start splitting where you can't, you can't even relate to them anymore. And when that starts to happen, you get, you get conflict, you get war. He said, we know that it's already happened in some other small, smaller countries. Social media was the impetus for the, for the civil war that occurred and we are heading there. So, um, and of course, that's the enemy's path, right? Um, kill, steal, and destroy. Social media. Um, 
what we, we read the last night, the average use, the average use is four to six hours a day on social media. If you have a smartphone and you're involved in social media, that is the average use of social media. Do you realize how much time that is? I'll tell you, it was really convicting for me. I, I, don't, I really don't do social media. So if anybody is following me on Facebook, you might get an update once every four or five months. <laughs> if you write a message to me, I'm sorry, I probably won't reply. <laughs> but there's other things that draw me to it. Like there are certain YouTube channels, you know, like uh, Smarter Every Day. I love that guy. Uh, Veritasium, I think. They're all scientific. But gosh, you know, I'm, all of a sudden, two hours has gone by. Whoa, I just wasted two hours of my life. Um, there's there's like four to six hours. Do you realize how much? And then I think, how much time with the Lord did I spend today? Think about all the productivity that is being wasted just from a purely economical perspective, rearranging electrons on a computer screen that could have been done being used to innovate and, and be productive. Or better than that, how about listening to the Lord in prayer and getting involved in ministry? I wonder how many ministries in the churches today are being affected because we spent too much time on social media. Um, so this is a powerful grab on our attention. Um, so, all right, enough on that. Roman, romance novels can be incredibly powerful forms of addiction for young gals in particular. I've heard that romance novels are as powerful for girls as pornography is for guys because it appeals to the emotional side of that um, that, that, they're, that gals are often tuned into. Movies, music, sports, <coughs> excuse me, any one of these activities and a dozen more can become forms of escapism. I had one dad come up to me after he says, hey, Chuck, there's a... I got to tell you about a form of escapism that my son got involved in. It's what's that? He said, hunting. I'm like, hunting? How? Yeah, that's what I said. How can that be bad? You get to be outside. You get to shoot things with your gun and skin. Oh. He says, no, he says, you don't understand. It took control of his life. I mean, all he wanted to do ever was to hunt. He wore camouflage clothes. Anything he read had to do with hunting. It consumed him to the point where he was just disappearing before our lives, before our eyes. And um, I said, well, what did you do? He said, we did what you said to. Um, we, we had to take it away. I said, well, where's he at? He said, we're getting him back. He's almost through this now. It's like, wow. So um, again, a flavor for everybody. Uh, so let me jump into video games in particular a little bit more because this is our, our testimony I'm going to share with you. Uh, why are video games so powerful? It's because the graphic and sound technology are just out of this world. I mean, I remember walking by Walmart, uh, you know, their computer station, and they had a game playing, and I just all of a sudden started looking. I was like, the reality of this stuff is amazing. Um, they can have characters. You don't even know that they're not human anymore. They're getting so good at it. Um, so it's it, visually and, and auditorily, it is so engaging. Um, and the other thing that's very alluring about this is that there's instant availability. Literally, any moment at any point in time. I mean, you go to the bathroom, you sit down, and you play video games, you look up social media, right? You just, you, you're just never away from it. Um, one of the things that I have discovered that I think is so appealing to the flesh in regard to video games in particular is the absence of accountability. And we talked about how 
how terribly important accountability was to get through a stronghold? Well, when you remove the accountability of a sinful action out of the equation, boy, the flesh just relishes in that. And so when you can go into a video game and you can steal a car or you can kill somebody or, or you can have an affair with somebody and then go down and have supper with your kids and like nothing's happened, you have emotionally and spiritually partaken in a sin but there's literally doesn't appear to be any consequence. Now there is, but the consequence is removed in time and distance. That, that basically destroys some of our inhibition to stop that activity that we know is sinful, right? Um, when the consequence and the action are closer and tighter together, there's a lot more hesitancy to partake in it, right? But when you can separate that, and that's what video games do, the flesh just relishes in it and absorbs it and wants more and more and more and more. Um, so when you remove accountability from a sinful action and behavior, I mean, think about it. Jesus said, if you have lusted upon a woman in the heart, then you've already committed adultery. He attributes that the same. Now we're doing it graphically and visually to the nth degree, and, and, there's, and there's no consequence. That's dangerous dangerous to that technology and now you're you're hearing from an electrical engineer right so um, i love technology but the ability for the enemy to use it for his purposes is just frightening and i've always felt like we as believers as christians are always on the um the reactive side of these 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 things and i saw this for a decade it's like guys we got to get ahead of the storm that's coming for our kids because you know what? It's going to be here and it's going to be too late. And now we're going to have to try to do recovery. And this is, the, this is where we're at. And, and it's not through. Um, there's more coming. All right? With the advent of full 3D immersion, guys, we haven't seen anything yet. And you need to be ahead of this for your kids, for your family. You need to prepare them. Um, the, there's a, the line between um, CG and reality is becoming blurred. It is becoming indistinguishable. Um, you can now become all-powerful, indestructible superheroes or supervillains if you want at any point in time. Um, I gave this session and afterwards at one of the conferences and afterwards this young guy came up to me. Um, he was probably late 20s, early 30s. And he said, Chuck, I just want you to keep teaching what you're teaching. This is the real thing that's happening. I'm a computer programmer at this, at this pretty significant company. And one day my boss came in and uh, he said, hey, you got to come up to my office and try something. And so he said, I went up to the office and, and uh, he had, uh, and th this was a few years ago already, and he had a, a full 3D set. Um, headset and he said here try these on he put this he said I was instantly um, trans you know translated into this this 3D world where the buildings looked so authentic you couldn't even tell the difference and he said I was I was in this robot suit and beside me were two other robots and all of a sudden like some aliens were coming in and attacking us and we had to fight them off and he said you know for the first 10 minutes I was in there like wow this is the coolest video game experience I've ever had in my life and then he said something happened I couldn't really distinguish the difference between it being a video game. I was there emotionally. I was there. I felt physically. And he said, 
all of a sudden we were just fighting in the, with my two partners and other robotic partners against you know, and he said at one time in the game all of a sudden these, these two robots they turned on me and started firing on me and my reaction to that was so visceral it was like it was like my friends had betrayed me the emotions I felt were just remarkable and he said I finished the game up I took the headset off he's like what is happening this is where we're going he said Chuck I went to bed that night went to sleep afraid about what this meant for us and he said I woke up the next morning and do you know the first thought that came to me I want to go play that game again <laughs> here's a guy with full understanding and yet the flesh is like yes go get more you know can you imagine where when they when they finally nail it and they finally get the technology and it is coming it's coming to your homes where you have full 3D immersion and when they they start developing haptic sensors just like in uh, what, what's the game what was the one um, recent movie that came out oh, a couple of years ago uh, where they're you're immersed in this anyway when they get to that level guys Ready Player One the flesh will be unleashed. And I, I have a feeling, I haven't really researched this, but I suspect that those statistics I read you are probably no different for Christians than they are non-Christians. That's what I suspect. So um, I, we're, we're just giving ourselves over to the wiles of the enemy in this world, and we've got to be careful about it. What are the symptoms of escapism? Let's talk about this, and I promise we'll turn the corner, okay? I probably should have my puppy dog slide up there. <laughs> Think puppies for a minute. <laughs> What are the symptoms of escapism? Withdrawal from relationships. We certainly saw that starting to happen in Reese's life. He was withdrawing from his siblings. He was withdrawing from Andrea and I and from his friends so he could spend more time on the computer. Discontentment, right? Because the world doesn't hold um, the, <clears throat> the flavor that he wanted anymore. The, the synthetic world was giving that to him. So he became discontent with reality. Apathy, he didn't care about doing his chores or his homework as, as much as he used to. Um, laziness, do you know why laziness? Because it takes time to not be lazy, right? And the same thing with uncleanliness too. It takes time to take care of yourself. Um, and so he, he just gets lazy. It's like his whole goal was to just get back and get to the next level in the game, right? And so he just, whatever, just get the chore done, whatever. Um, uncleanliness because it takes time to be clean. Selfishness, right? It causes us to turn inward. Anything that causes to turn inward and focus on ourselves is something that's going to lead to some catastrophe in our lives. Uh, secretive activity. Discovered Reese was actually um, sneaking away. I don't even know how often it happened in the middle of the night, but we'd be watching a movie and I'd look around and all of a sudden Reese is gone. I'm like, oh no. Get up and sure enough, there he is over on the computer all by himself. Um, Secretive activity. Unhealthy eating. That's because eating healthy takes time. It's a lot easier to grab a candy bar and a Coke to get that sugar high so you can, your fingers are operate a little faster and you can go a little, little longer. Um, and then finally, depression. Depression sets in because after all of this has taken its course, there's something inside you that lets you know that what you're doing is absolutely destructive to you and the people around you. And so depression sets in. And then what happens is that the, the activity that you're partaking in releases dopamine for a short time, right? And so um, the only way to get through the depression is to go do it some more. So you get another dopamine release. So you can feel good for just a short time. And it's a vicious cycle because the enemy is taking you where he wants to fully destroy you. 
And I, after I gave this session in, uh, in South Dakota, a gal came up to me, a young mother with two young teenage kids, and she said, Chuck, I, I, you're missing one of the symptoms up there. I said, what? She said, yeah. And by the way, these, these, are, these are clinical right out of a full alcohol addic- addiction. Those are the same set of symptoms. She said, yeah. She said, you know, um, my husband, he got addicted to video games. So what you're teaching is absolutely spot on, but you're missing something. And I said, well, what, what happened? She said, he got so addicted to video games that um, I was ready to leave him. And uh, he's, a, he's a youth pastor in our church. And uh, I asked him to go to counseling. So we went to counseling, worked for a few months, and all of a sudden he was back, and it was worse than ever. We tried it again multiple times. Episodes of counseling didn't fix it. I said, well, sometimes children help that. And she said, he was so addicted that our son, who's just this handsome young 14-year-old kid, when he was 7 years old, my, my husband would play through the night, and at that time, you couldn't just pause the game. He said that he was at a point in, the, in, in his game where he didn't want to stop, and so he would go and wake up our, our little boy and bring him to the computer and say, play for a few minutes so I can get 15 minutes of sleep so I can continue to play the game. And then he would put him back to bed, and then he would continue playing. He said it was just, she said it was just ruining our marriage, and it was ruining our family. I said, well, what happened? And she said, he was so addicted that he finally couldn't take it anymore, and he killed himself. He knew what this was doing to him, and he couldn't get control of it. Now, that's a severe form, obviously, right? But that is the ultimate goal of the enemy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Destroy marriages, right? Steal away joy from the family and and kill whoever he can. Um, So... Now's the time for the puppies, right? Uh, let's talk about consequences, broken relationships, broken marriages. I used to be that um, used to be that I, when I gave this talk, and I've been doing it for many years now, the parents would come up to me with a tale of woe about their son or their daughter, completely addicted. But now you know what's happening more than than half the time. It's not the parents that are coming up; it's young married wives. Because those young sons have grown up in their addiction and have brought it into a marriage. And these wives don't know how serious it is until they're already fully um, betrothed and married. And now they're dealing with it. And now they're having children. And now their husbands are so addicted they can't, they can't get over it. Um, broken marriages, rebellious hearts, loss of education, loss of opportunity. i got a whole plethora of stories I could share. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, loss of income. Now, this one here should probably be number one. Loss of effectiveness as a servant of the Lord. Do you know it's almost impossible to be addicted to some sort of behavior and still be effective for God in his ministry? Um, and you need to sort that out first before you can really be effective in his work. And so um, effectiveness as a servant of the Lord. I think there's going to be, a, you know, the Bible says in tears, there's, he will wipe away all the tears. I think that there will be tears there. Otherwise, he wouldn't be wiping them away, and I think those tears are going to be for this. Oh, Lord, what I could have done for you. And he will wipe them away, and it will be done. Praise God for that. But in the meantime, let's, let's, not, let's not give cause for him to have to wipe tears away, right? Let's, let's get after it. And, let's, uh, and then finally, loss of joy. That leads, that's the same as the depression. When there's depression, there's no joy. Um, okay, so let's talk about practical tips for dealing with, with escapism. Number one. 
It needs to be modeled. You can't fake it with your kids. I sure learned that quick. <laughs> you know, they know. They know what the score is. They know what's going on. And so be honest and transparent with yourself first, um, with your spouse and with your children. But you need to model it yourself. And I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunity for me to improve in this area too. Um, so just be listening to the Lord and, and, and go where he leads. Teach and warn against it. And that's what we're doing here today. I do this session for adults and for teens as well. And um, boy, the Lord, the Spirit of God will, will touch your heart if he's speaking to you about it. Be just, just be honest and bold enough to, to hear it and go. Um, discern your children's heart. I've talked a lot about that already. This is some advice that that Andrea gave me. So I'm going to, let me just stop here and I'm going to pick up with, with, uh, with the story of Reese. So, um, you know, what I, when we sat down with Reese and, and, and I, I told when Andrea and I talked earlier, I told her, I think the only way to do this is to get rid of, of, of the video games. And so what I want to do is I thought, well, let's give it, let's get an example. What, how does God want us to deal with idolatry? Right. And so God took me to a place in Scripture that really gave some encouragement and some um, conviction. And you'll find this in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, all right? And believe it or not, there was a guy, that, there, was, um, there was some people back then that were addicted to video games. Um, <laughs> okay, not quite. But they were addicted to idol- idolatry, right, to I- idols. And there was a young man that came along that had the courage and the boldness to do what he needed to do to help out. And this is that young Josiah, right? The young king. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David, and he did not turn to the right hand or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, so he's 16, right? Just about when he would really be getting good at, at video games. Um, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the 12th year of his reign, so how old is he now? Anybody? 20, 20 years old. All right. Listen to this. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. He broke down the altars of Baal in, the high, in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down. And the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke into pieces, and he made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. And he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he did so in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon and as far as Naphtali and all around with axes. And when he'd broken down the altars and the wooden images and beaten the carved images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all of the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Wow, this 20-year-old kid was just radical, right? And as I read that, something dawned on me. It was very convicting. Is you don't manage idol worship. You don't time how long somebody can partake in something they're addicted to. It doesn't work. And as I, as I considered this, I realized if God told me that, that Reese had an idol in his life, there's only one way to do it, and it is to cut it to pieces. It isn't, okay, Reese, we're going to manage this better. We're going to manage your idol worship a little bit better. It doesn't work. That's not, that's not how God works. He asks for all of it. And so that's what, that's what brought me to that, 
that day with Andrea, and and um, as we need to get rid of these things completely. And I know it's going to be painful, and it's going to be hard. And she said to me, well, if you do that, you're going to leave a void in his life, and you better fill it with something good. <laughs> I thought, wow, that is wise counsel, honey. And so we sat down with Reese, and I said, Reese, we need to get rid of video games completely because I think you're addicted to them, and I don't think you can control it anymore. I think it's controlling you. And I said, listen, I know that you, have, you had a newspaper route, and I know that you've invested some of your own money in the video games and that sort of thing. We're going to do this together. And it's not just you that's giving up, Reese. It's the whole family. All of the other kids are giving them up too. And that's what love is, isn't it? It's sacrifice, right? And so um, this is going to be hard for them too. But we do this because we love you, Reese. And all of those games that you bought, I'm going to buy them from you so that you're not economically out. All right? I'm going to go back six months. You tell me which games you bought in the last six months. I'm going to buy them from you. Okay? And I'm going to take them. I'm going to get rid of them. And in addition to that, Reese, what we're going to do is we're going to replace that void with something healthy, things that you used to love to go out in the shop and build things. So I'm going to invest some money. Mom and I are going to invest money. And we're going to buy some extra tools that you think you might need to help you build things and, and get you re-energized into that, that life of production that you used to have. And, um, and so that, and this is the way it's going to be here. And unfortunately, you live with us. And so this is the new rule. <laughs> And I'd like to say that the sunshine came out and the rainbows showed up and the birds started singing, but that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, there was lots of pain and agony for weeks, if not months. And um, it was hard. And there were some relapses. And, and one time I, I saw him sneak off and, and he was on a video game. And, and uh, I caught him. I said, Reese, what are you doing? You know where we're at. And, and he came to me after he says, Dad, I can't believe that this has such control over me. Because he actually told me that he wasn't, you know, that I actually lied to you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me and help me do better. And so um, he, his first step was like in the previous one, recognizing that you have a problem. That's the first step. Nobody gets better without recognizing they've got an issue. And so anyway, we did that. And, and, and over the course of those next few months and year, um, we started to get Reese back. He started to get back in the shop and to build things and do things and be creative. And we just saw the restoration of that precious soul in that young man again. And, and he, it was incredible because he ended up, um, he, he, he built a three-masted galley ship from scratch, from the scrap wood. And he, he with sails and, and he sewed the sails and he, put, and he built a captain's quarters with little miniature maps and tables and an anchor that worked and all this. He's like, wow, this is incredible. And then uh, after that, he came and he says, Dad, I want to build an electric guitar. I'm like, well, okay. I have no idea what that means or how to do that, but we'll do it. So he found some plans and I said, I'll buy all the materials for you. So bought the materials for him and he, he crafted this beautiful electric guitar. It was made out of solid oak, and it actually worked. I mean, it weighed about 80 pounds, but <laughs> you could probably only play it for 10 minutes, but it was just a thing of beauty. And then he ended up getting into the science and engineering fairs, and uh, he, he participated in multiple, multiple um, years. One year, he went to state and won, I think, second at state and got selected to go all the way to um, International Science and Engineering Fair in, was it Phoenix? Where was it? Albuquerque, New Mexico. And what he had done is he built 
a strength-enhancing robotic arm. So when you put your arm in it, and he put it up on CAD, and he built these things from scratch. When you put your arm, if you lifted 10 pounds, if you put 10 pounds of force, it would lift 100 pounds. And uh, he went all the way and participated, did fantastic. Uh, made the national news. So um, anyway, all of that stuff was happening in his life. And when he was a senior, he had a friend come over and uh, and his friend, he saw the, the, the ship. He said, Reese, did you build that? He's like, yeah, yeah, about three or four years ago. Well, that's crazy. Said, what else have you done? So Reese spent the next couple hours showing him all the projects that he'd done. And, uh, and his friend, uh, afterwards, he looked at Reese and he said, Reese, wow, look what you've done. And, and without Reese telling him what we had done for him, his friend looked at him and said, I wish I had never played video games. He was completely and fully addicted. He didn't have a father in his life that would step in and stop the same thing. I said, Reese, that's a pretty profound realization for this guy. Uh, did, it, did it have an impact on him? And he said, Dad, he left our house. He drove to Walmart and bought the next newest video game. That's how addicted he was. And so um, Reese's life... Um, was truly transformed. He later on went into pilot training while he was at pilot training. And then out of the home, we started to let some some forms of, of computer games back in, healthy ones, right? Boy, you can bet I was tuned into this this time because Keenan was coming up. Um, but and I would test him. Hey, Keenan, let's let's knock off for, for a month. He said, okay. And so he'd give me, okay, so this doesn't have control of you. And he he got, he got used games like uh, Minecraft, where he, but he was on the construction side building those things. And it was fascinating because he was building circuits and all kinds of really fascinating things, um, creative stuff. And so we got to, went to visit recent pilot training. And I said, Reese, have you seen this new game that came out? This was years ago, of course. You know, it's Minecraft. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I don't dare. I'm like, wow. He said, if, if I get into that, I could lose myself, and I know what's at stake. I don't want to lose my opportunity of pilot training. I'm like, <laughs> my heart just burst. Because you guys, it, this isn't about limiting or confining your children. What it's about is growing them up and maturing them so that they can make those decisions for themselves. Because if they haven't got to that point when they leave home, they're going to implode. They're going to self-destruct anyway, no matter what you've done to protect them. You've got to get them to the point where they themselves recognize their weaknesses and realize that they have an obligation to the Lord Jesus Christ to give Him their best. Not Fortnite, <laughs> their best. Okay? Um, so this, these here are tips that, that we went through with Reese, and that's why I wanted to share them with you. Um, discern to replace the void with something healthy and fun. And that's what we did with Reese. Um, and, it, 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 and the whole family had to participate in this. And we talked to the other kids, guys, this is where we're at, this is what we're going to do. They didn't like it, but they got used to it, and, and it, was just, it was a blessing in the end. Um, guard the source of, source of your joy. That's so important. Um, Later on, our daughter, Brittany, came home from college as her freshman year. And um, I noticed that she was watching lots of movies and that sort of thing. And one day, as I was just kind of praying for my family, all of a sudden, it just came to me, you need to talk to Brittany about movies. I'm like, really? So I went down to Brittany. She was down in the basement. And, and she was sitting there, and she was working on something. And I said, Brittany, you got a minute? Sure. I said, hey, Brittany, I just, I don't know. If, maybe I'm just making this up. I don't know, Brittany. But as I was praying to the Lord, he just asked me to ask you about movies. And she looked at me, and her head dropped, and the tears came. <laughs> there it is. And she said, Dad, 
you're absolutely right. I think I'm addicted to movies. I just, it's the only thing I want to do. It's all of my free time. I just want to watch movies. I said, wow, Britt, okay, I didn't know this was happening. But I'll tell you what, let's you and I fast movies for 30 days, right? Let's, let's just, and, and I'll do this with you. In fact, and as a family, we used to do Friday Family Fun Night often with a movie. We're going to give that up for a month. Let's just not do movies at all. And so, um, and she said, would you guys please and pray for me? I said, absolutely. And we did that 30 days of fasting and it was done. Never again for the rest of her life did that be an, was that an issue for her. But it was growing towards a stronghold and a form of addiction. And so uh, guard the source. Make sure that your joy or your, or your form of entertainment isn't a hindrance to somebody else's um, thriving faith. Okay? Investigate your children's activity. Oh, man. Um, in my experience, if you suspect something, it's usually twice as bad. Whatever it is. Your, your life has to be filled with purpose that they can see that they want to be part of. Okay? Thank you, Luke. Um, develop strong relationships. Um, and, and again, I think in the last session I talked about relationship, relationship, relationship. It really comes down to that. They need to know that your love is unconditional and is relentless. All right? And when the world beats them up and chews them up and spits them out, they'll know. Uh, Mom and Dad... They've got me. Their love is, is unrelentless. I will, I will return. Um, develop strong relations. Let me see if I had anything for that. Uh, okay. Um, pray for protection. Um, I talk about this in, in, my, in, my, in my men's uh, book there about how you, you, need to, you need to have a consistent place with it, you and time that you pray for your family. I remember when I was um, often writing my books late at night and the rest of the family is in slumber and I would be downstairs and I would go up. It's time to go to bed. I'd walk upstairs and there's something just would hit me about two-thirds of the way up the stairs. There's this one step that I would stand, that I would, as soon as I hit it, it was like the Lord said, you got to stop right here and pray. pray for, it was like the gateway to our home. And, and I, I couldn't move past that until I'd, I'd knelt down right there and prayed for my family. And I have no idea what it, it really meant. I mean, I, I don't think I will know on this side of, of, of death, but I do know that there is incredible power in prayer. When you are on your knees praying to God, you move his hand, and it, and it, it moves in, in the blessing of your children. Okay, so moms and dads, find a place and get down and, and pray. Pray for protection. Uh, you know, we just went through Halloween. Um, this is completely a side note. I just remember hearing a radio interview with a former Satanist who, of course, Halloween is their holy day, their unholy day. And they would actually try to get children. And she said, the children we could never get to were the children of the parents that prayed for them. Man, I just sent shivers up and down my spine. And so you be praying for your kids. Do it every day. Find a place for them. Uh, find a place for you to do that. Uh, be strong enough to go counterculture. And, you know, we prepared our kids early for this. It's like, guys, you know what? I'm sorry, but God gave you to us, and this is the way we're going to be. You need to just embrace it. All right. I don't mean being dorky or weird or nerdy or anything like that. Um, what it means is just standing up um, against 
against the onslaught of cultural pressure to partake in stuff that's not good for you, that's not biblical, it's not healthy for you spiritually. And you're just going to have to take the, the bumps and the bruises for it, guys. We're going to walk through that with you, okay? We're going to be different. The Bible calls us to be peculiar, right? Not strange and weird, but we're going to stand out as believers in Christ. And so just absorb that, all right? And, and at 18, if you want something different, then go do it, all right? But for now, this is the way it's going to be. And hopefully by 18, you realize that it's good for you. So... Um, and then implement accountability. Um, and we've talked about that. We did. We had um, things in all of our computers. Um, so, all right. Um, again, I just I'm, what I want to say here is that I'm not saying everybody needs to go home and burn all their video games. Okay, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is to is to make sure that we are analyzing our hearts and where our priorities are and making sure they're aligned with with God's word, all right, and with his commands in our lives. And it, it might mean that, but it might also mean just being more in tune with where your kids are at and what you need to do on behalf of them. They're not mature enough to make those decisions um, for themselves at this point. Most kids are not. And your goal is to protect them and get them to the place where they can do that. And I I would have very honest conversations with them and say, look, guys, when you leave home, you're going to be able to do anything you want, right? But you need to know that we love you so much. We're trying to show you a healthy way for you that's going to lead to, to, first of all, spiritual prosperity, but also success in this life. And you're going to be effective for the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? That's our goal. So please don't look at us as ogres, okay? We're not, we're not trying to constrict you or confine you or remove your privileges. Um, it was interesting, our, uh, that son Ian, um, one day he came to me and said, Dad, I figured something out about you. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Um, I said, what's that? He said, if we just obey you, you really give us a lot of freedom. <laughs> like, bingo! You figured it out. God bless you. And isn't that how it is with God? Just obey me, and oh, we've got the freedom. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about all the time. I, he believes in me. I'll be free. I'll be free indeed, right? So anyway, um, let your kids help them understand that. I'm not trying to be this oppressive, restrictive, overbearing parent or dad or mom i'm trying to grow you up so you make healthy choices especially when it comes to that of being a christian and a believer um i'll I'll finish up with this here too i did have one mom afterwards who who came to me and said you know chuck um everything you're saying is is great and everything see what else i have okay it's great and everything but she said the truth is my son is so addicted that I can't get him to do anything unless I, I, I barter with him for video games. I said, really? He won't do any chores? No, I have to, I have to barter with him and, and trade video game time. I said, well, let me just ask you one question. You're, do you really believe he's addicted? She said, absolutely. All the symptoms, everything, he's fully addicted. I said, then why are you playing the role of the drug dealer here? You need to be the policeman in his life and shut that down. I mean, it's not about you. It's about him. Do what you need to. Okay? That takes courage, folks. It takes a boldness, and it takes a commitment, and it takes a humility on your part. It takes a humbleness, and it takes a confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ to do the right thing.
So when God calls you to do something, even if it's hard, I promise you there's reward and blessing on the other side of that, even though there may be pain for a time, okay? Um, and, I, and I just encourage parents, don't get radical, okay? Don't just fly. Really be listening to the Lord. Really be listening to the heart of your children. And then move forth in obedience.